What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where uh, things sometimes explode. Or get dinosaured. Or, uh, or locust dead, okay, in uh, the case of the new movie. And I'm not going to find any SFX for that, so mm-hmm. let me... That uh, was a dinosaur, and then locust would be like... Hey, remember us from Days of Heaven? <laughs> Some actual dialogue from, yeah. from Jurassic World Dominion. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is uh, Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. And uh, people do call me a dinosaur from time to time. Yeah, we're old. We're old people. We, we like have old. stodgy old opinions. And yeah. uh, we got some stodgy old opinions got, for you today. We got our big bowl of Werther's originals. <laughs> How old are we? We know that reference. I don't think kids even know that reference anymore. <laughs> Do you remember a time when there were only ten people? There was like there used to be a commercial that was on all the time mm. of like old people giving their grandkids Werther's originals, which is like a hard caramel candy. They're, they're good. They're they're quite good. I like yeah, so, I, I liked Werther's as a kid. It's just Werther's thought that that was the best brand. We're gonna sell our candy to old people to, to give, give to, to the young youngster. people. That's well, that's our shtick. When when you were young, yeah. Uh, was there an older person in your life, a, a grandparent yeah. or an uncle or an aunt? Well, my grandparents uh, lived pretty far away, uh, okay. but I had an aunt. I had a, a, a aunt Audrey, okay. who's actually not really an aunt; just my mom's friend. Okay, but like yeah, she but uh, yeah lived down the street. Did you go down to her house? Yes, and, did, I did. and did she have a candy bowl for no, you? No, what okay. she actually gave me was uh, like uh, Jaffa cakes. Oh, there you go. Like, that's, uh, pins. that's those are those were the the treat of choice, and I have that endless love for those cookies. Yeah, those I, are the my. Best. Uh, my grandmother had a little orange jar, a little orange cookie jar, which I have now, uh, and she kept it full of those sun-kissed fruit gems, those little gelatin candies mm-hmm. that are coated in sugar. And uh, yeah, to this day, I'm fond of those sun-kissed fruit gems because they remind me of my grandmother. So ha- marketing a candy to grandparents is mm-hmm. not so out of the realm. No, it's not. It's actually, it was a clever idea, but I just I've, I don't remember, can't remember the last time I saw anything any advertisement for Werther's Originals. I think only old people bring them up to explain how they're not old, but now it means we're old. That means, uh, Werther's just Origin- knowing them means we're old. If so you, there you go. Werther's Original Werther's Originals mean you're old. Yeah. Almond Roca means you're dead. Uh, like <laughs> if you have Almond Roca around your house, First of all, what the hell do you have almond roca in your house I've, for? I've, 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 I, I'm not that far down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I cannot, cannot yeah. speak to it. If, if, if the first time you have bought almond roca uh-huh. in that little pink cylindrical can for the first time. Oh, God, those cans. Yeah. Forgot about those. Yeah. And those cans were good. Like, once the cans were empty. Oh, yeah, you can like put anything in there. And stuff, lots, but, yeah. lots of Legos fit in those suckers. Yeah, yeah. But, anyway, uh, <laughs> we, are, we, are, we, are, we are we're here to review movies, actually. Uh, this week, we, the, we do that sometimes. There's some movies we'd rather not review this week. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a, sometimes film criticism is a full contact sport. Uh, we're reviewing the new releases, Jurassic World Dominion. 
And no colon. It's just Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, sorry. Jurassic World Dominion. Which you wouldn't know by looking at any of the advertisements. Because they just showed the dinosaur. The title is not in any of the ads. Yeah. I found that incredibly they, perplexing. They, 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 they're, they're just selling the brand. It's like, it's Jurassic something. You you know you're going. Doesn't really matter what it's called. Yeah. It can be called like Jurassic World Marilyn Hotchkiss School of <laughs> Ballroom Dancing, and you would go. Just, they should have just called it like you know Super Karate Monkey Death Car, and just. Well, that's actually that, that's, good, that's actually a good title. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we're also reviewing the Phil Tippett stop a- stop motion animated film Mad God. We're reviewing the Honoré de Balzac adaptation Lost Illusions. I know why you're really here. And we're reviewing. I'm, I'm a big Balzac fan. So I know. We'll, we'll see. And we're reviewing the brand new. Adam Sandler movie, Hustle. But first, uh, let's talk about the dinosaur in the room. Uh, uh-huh. Let's talk about the Jurassic Park movies. And uh, let's, let's, give a, let's give a quick uh, uh, sort of uh, rundown on how we feel about the Jurassic Park movies. Uh, Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Uh, it was one of two Steven Spielberg movies that came out that year. The other one was Schindler's List. A oh, damn good year for for Steven yeah, Spielberg. And, yeah, turnaround was really really quick. Um, in order to like oversee some uh, of the editing and the post production, uh, portions of Jurassic Park were directed by George Lucas. I learned that for the first time no just shit. recently. Yeah, do you know uh, what he directed? Like I, I, from what I understand, it was just like at the, because he had to turn around and go into shows yeah. so quickly. Said, "Hey George, can you like oversee post production?" So ah. I think a lot of the special effect stuff. Oh, that tracks. And, yeah, was overseen by George Lucas. Yeah, which I, and it's actually funny because uh, dr- these visual effects of Jurassic Park, which were incredibly groundbreaking, mm. they were the first time that like realistic CGI monsters had been created on that scale, uh, and uh, kind of gave birth to a whole new wave of CGI blockbusters. And it's one of the reasons why George Lucas went back to making Star Wars because he was like, oh, I can do cool stuff now. And so it all go, kind uh, of came yeah. together, didn't it? You go back to the original. I think they, there's like six minutes of the film's like two hours and six minutes mm-hmm. uh, has CG, which yeah. is like unheard of today. You know, now it's yeah. like 80% of but the But a, a lot of them were animatronics. A lot of them mm-hmm. were puppets. Uh, they look really good. And the careful decision to switch between them Mm. leaves the film honestly feeling very fresh. Like, the CG still, still looks quite still good looks today. Really good, yeah. And even if it didn't, like, because so much of it is practical, it is genuinely impressive. Um, I like the original Jurassic Park a lot. Um, it's maybe the most overblown monster movie ever, because what is it? Uh, people go to an island, a well, mad it... scientist is on the island, they've made monsters, the monsters attack people. It's the island of Dr. Moreau. Mm. It's the island of Dr. Moreau meets Westworld because it's an amusement park. I, uh, I, I, it's, the, the, but the, it's so gorgeously filmed yeah, and it, it's impressively a produced that... and John Williams' score is so epic, it feels bigger than it really is. I, I found it a little odd that it... it when, I saw it for the first time uh, when it first came out. I saw it opening weekend yeah. in the theaters and, and I liked it. Uh, and I was a little bit uh, uh, sort of taken aback by how popular it became. Yeah. It's like, this is a really fun dinosaur adventure. But I was a little bit uh, confused by the fact that there was no angle. 
Like, mm. what what are you saying about dinosaurs? No, it's just it's just dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are cool, man. It's just dinosaurs, and uh, you yeah, know, we, we were but, able to bring dinosaurs to life convincingly can, can more the, so yeah, than ever make, before, make them and look that's a the movie. Realer than before, and that's that's sort of what yeah. it was. And it was uh, cool, honestly, because I'd mm. seen dinosaur movies before. I like on TV, I'd seen like the Valley of Guanji. But which, it was, yeah, all that, if you've never seen really Valley cool, of Guanji, cool stop motion stuff. Valley of Guanji is a very cool film, by the way. Cowboys find a lost like. Uh, like I can't remember, it's like a lost like canyon or whatever, like a valley, a lost a valley, valley yeah. full of dinosaurs, and they're stop motion dinosaurs. So it's cowboys wrangling dinosaurs, but in a stop motion Harryhausen vein. That's just undeniably uh, cool. So yeah, <laughs> That's a was, cool thing they did. It was a special effects powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, I was the the biggest hit of the year. Uh, just yeah. everyone went to go see that movie. It's a little uh, equally baffling that they tried to turn that. There are dinosaurs mm-hmm. into this weird myth, ar- myth-heavy uh, yeah. six-film series. Yeah, I, I remember uh, uh, Spielberg came back for a sequel, and I think uh, Michael mm-hmm. Crichton, who yeah. wrote the original novel that the first film was based on, he wrote the sequel. He wrote the sequel, but I think he was like asked by the filmmakers, yeah, saying, you, "Hey, here's what was popular in the movie. Write another novel that did, we can make another movie." Did you out ever of. read Jurassic Park and Michael Crichton's Lost World? No. Okay, I read both. I, I haven't read a word of Michael Crichton. Actually, oh really? Yeah. Okay, I went through a Michael Crichton phase, like a lot of people do. Yeah, uh, very, very uh, intelligent genre storyteller. Uh, not everything he's done is good, but when he's, he's on fire on all cylinders it's great and the first jurassic park is so much more intense than the movie like it's really darker and like more malevolent and I know the, it's great the, from what i understand uh, a lot more characters die oh yeah um the richard attenborough character is like a little bit more of a villain whereas spielberg yeah. turned into sort of like this friendly magic obsessed grandpa who just didn't really think things out he, he was a guy in, in the movie he's a guy who had big dreams and he let them blind him to the practicalities and um, um, and immoralities of what he was doing. Uh, in the book, he's a capitalist. He thought mm-hmm. he saw a cool thing he could do, and he did it. And he gets in, he's, he's more pissed than anything else that Jurassic Park is uh, is falling apart and people are dying. And uh, the, the that, that is the dinosaurs get out and they start the the, uh, the well, death that's, that's scene kind of that Peter Stormare has in the Lost World movie mm-hmm. that was actually John Hammond's death from the first book. Okay. He was killed by all these like little tiny dinosaurs. Um, it's a really, really good book. The movie's tone is very different, but generally speaking, it's pretty faithful. There are fewer dinosaurs in the movie than in the I book. I know. But... In the fir- over the course of the first three movies, I think mm-hmm. all of the events from the first book are eventually More or less. included. Yeah, uh, like, I know there's an aviary yeah. in the third movie that, that was in great. the original book. Uh, but... There's a scene in the second movie mm-hmm. where a little girl is attacked by like little chicken-sized dinosaurs. Yeah. From what I understand, that's also from the book. That's the, like the, I think it's, book. Sure that's like the first bit in the in the movie uh, in the book. The sequel novel, though, The mm-hmm. Lost World. It's a fun read because you can tell Michael Crichton kind of didn't want to write it. Yeah. And a lot of the book is full of really neat stuff. Like there's cool set pieces in it. And but however, a lot of it is making fun of the movie. Okay. So like there's a bit in the original Jurassic Park novel. There's this famous scene in the movie that everyone knows where uh, Alan Grant played by Sam Neill, uh, he says at the beginning of the movie, now you might think the Velociraptor's vision is based on movement like T-Rex, mm. you know, like that thing we know, because, because we have these, a way of knowing that. These are extinct animals. There's no way to, yeah. fit, to know that kind of in, thing. In the book, there's a moment where they are frozen in terror in front of the T-Rex. Uh-huh. 
And the T-Rex is doing nothing. At which point Alan Grant, being an intelligent person, starts theorizing maybe their vision is based on movement and they can't see us very well if we don't move. Mm. So if we just freeze right here, eventually it'll just get bored and walk away, which is what happens. Okay. In the Lost World novel, the T-Rex, someone's trying to steal like a T-Rex egg or something. Right. And like the T-Rex shows up and the guy like freezes. And you can hear like people like watching him on security cameras. Like, what's he doing? It's like he's doing what that idiot Alan Grant did. It's like, what are we talking about? His vision isn't based on movement. You know why he didn't need Alan Grant in the first uh, in the first Jurassic Park incident? He just ate a goat. He yeah. just ate a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> he just ate a lawyer. He didn't no, need that, anything. Yeah, that, that, that's so, like, second, it, uh, it makes a lot of fun of the movie. So it's actually a pretty good read. Okay, uh, the second movie though, Spielberg directed it. Uh, yeah, kind of tell his heart wasn't in it. I think that yeah. was the same year he also made Amistad. So it was. It was, like one, it was one, a year One adventure, one prestige picture for yeah. both of the uh, uh, yeah. Jurassic Park movies. That There's good one, stuff in that second movie. There's a couple of neat sequences. Yeah, they, the cinematography is really creepy. They brought back uh, uh, mm. the Jeff Goldblum character. The character's yeah. named Ian Malcolm. Uh, he has a young daughter. Mm. They go to a different part of the island. No, it's a different was, island. Oh, it's a different island. They, um, they, in the in the novel, they they like blew up the island, so okay. they had to come. So in order for the sequel novel to take place, he had to say like, okay, but they were multiple islands in that island chain, and they owned more than one island, and there were dinosaurs right. on another island too. That's a in the movie, more... they decided to throw that in at the end. Oh, okay. It's like, oh wait, why is there another island? I don't know. Just go with it, dude. Shut up. <laughs> they they go to uh, the first one is about a. a supposedly functioning amusement park, but everything breaks down. Like, it, it's just really it's, it's badly like designed. It's like preview night. Yeah. Like, no one else They've is there. Br- brought in a couple characters. Sam Neill, Ardern, and, and uh, Jeff Goldblum were sort of like the, mm. the scientists they called in to sort of give it a thumbs up, and they all give it a thumbs down. Yeah. Well, uh, and then everything breaks everybody. down and starts, yeah. the, the dinosaurs break out and start eating people. That's your movie. Very simple, but um, very good. Two young kids have to be, because it's a Spielberg film, there have to be children in peril. Yeah. Uh, and... The Lost World is a little bit more wild. Like the yeah. the, the dinosaurs are kind of roaming free. Yeah, they're more uh, they're more the, uh, they're more evil. Like it's, it plays a bit more like a horror movie parts of it. Yeah, there's like yeah. dinosaurs that uh, like deliberately break animals' necks and then just walk away. And there's a weird uh, there's a whole climactic sequence where the T Rex uh, runs free in San Diego of all places. And I'm like, well, I was, why I was San gonna, Diego? I was gonna mention that then then it turns into Dracula at the end with like the <laughs> ship sailing into Whitby Harbor and us far yeah, kind of does. but instead that, yeah. it's a it's a dinosaur yeah. and. And, uh, and yeah, it runs amok in San Diego, and that's yeah. and that's the end of the movie. Uh, they decided to keep making these things. Then yeah. for the third one, they brought Sam Neill back, and they also got mm. uh, Tay Leone and William H Macy. Yeah, and that's like a ninety-minute like schlocky monster movie, and mm-hmm. and is better for it. Honestly, it's a pretty fun movie. Mm. The only problem I really have with that movie is it has no ending. It literally just stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's just basically like everyone's like, oh, we're ready for the Velociraptors. And the guy's just like, hey, we brought like the military and stuff. You can stop being a movie now. And they're like, oh, okay, great. But until yeah. then, really fun monster mayhem in that movie. Yeah, the, That's a fun uh, flick. The the the, int- the new introduced conceit in that third movie is that of Velociraptors, which people didn't talk about at all prior to Jurassic Park. No, Jurassic Park no. made those a thing. Yeah. They're not even, at the time, like, that kind of like lithe, uh, 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 predator uh, uh, dinosaur people were way more into Deinonychuses like if you oh. in like books you would be more likely to see a Deinonychus than a Velociraptor or, but, or, a, or an yeah. Allosaur yeah, Allosaurs are bigger but yeah, yeah. but like yeah and, and, and Tyrannosaurs were always uh, always ty- number one uh, number one Tyrannosaur number two uh, Stegosaurus or Triceratops uh, or Triceratops Those two and three, three. Those tie. Uh, number, f- number four was always Brontosaurus yes and that's kind of and Pleosaur if you're into the water ones uh, and, uh, those the, or, and then pterodactyls. Uh, pterodactyls. Uh, somewhere somewhere down the are, line was my favorite ankylosaurus. The, the little armored guy. Yeah, they're fun. You could mm. you could ride them. 
<laughs> if you really wanted to, you jump I, on the backs. I don't remember having a dinosaur phase as a kid. Oh, really? I had, oh, dino- I had one, even I had, before Jurassic Park. I had dinosaur toys, and I liked going to mm. natural history museums. I think every kid likes going to natural history sure. museums. Sure, well, uh, especially when you see the skeletons and you see how big they are. Yeah, like it, it, yeah. it excites the imagination. Yeah, there's yeah. a really great uh, Museum of Natural History uh, mm. Um, on La Brea, the, yeah. the La Brea pits are over yeah. uh, over on La Brea Avenue, and you can see there's a, a re- we've talked about this before. There's a really disturbing diorama out in public of a mm. family of mammoths. Uh, oh yes, in an, it's, in, it's, in a re- that, that it's a real, it's a real a tar sump. Like there's actually still yeah. tar seeping up underneath the ground, and they're finding like bones in it all the time to this day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's they've set up this diorama of uh, an elephant and its child waiting on the shore of this sump. And out in the sump is a, another elephant, like, sinking to its death. Yeah, which so is, it's, it's even like, as a kid, that just depressed like a, the hell one out of me. One of that uh, baby elephant's parents is now sinking into the sump and, like, is screaming in agony. Anyway. Uh, and that's uh, just out for, you know, for kids. Fun, you know, for fun. Uh, Jurassic Park 3 didn't do that great, and so the, the series went on hold for a while. It finally came back with Jurassic World, which had a very simple premise, which is basically, hey, what if the park was open? What if the park worked out yeah. and we just opened it to the public and then the dinosaurs yeah. got out? So what if what if instead of there being like eight people on the run from dinosaurs, there were like hordes everywhere, mm. people running everywhere, all kinds of dinosaurs running amok. You could see like what the attractions would be. And I honestly think that that's the only reason that movie was a hit. Because mm. that was the promise of Jurassic Park. And well, there's I, a bit of the, your mind where you'd just be like... Okay, listen, if they didn't go run amok and kill everybody, I'd like to go. That sounds cool. I, so, like, you I, get to see the park. Maybe I think I, that's it. I think that's just the neat selling point of maybe it. Maybe I just have a deficiency of imagination, but mm. that wasn't something I ever thought about when I was really? watching Jurassic Park. I didn't want to see... You didn't want to go You didn't want to go on that tour and see dinosaurs? Well, I, I, we got enough of it. We saw it all in Jurassic Park. We really saw a they, handful. Like, I want to see the whole fucking thing. Uh, no, I, I want to go to that Mosasaurus show, like 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 Shamu. Like, that that wasn't know. something I was interested in seeing. But I saw Jurassic World. Jurassic World is not good. Uh, it's clunky, <laughs> clunky and dumb and yeah. shallow, and has a lot of weird pretenses to nostalgia. Yeah. and it's like really trying to delve into characters and the story's background uh bd mm. wong who plays a small role in the first movie yeah, comes back and it, yeah, it comes back as a scientist in all in jurassic world and the following two movies yeah uh, he's, in fact he's he plays a, a pretty big role in this most recent one yeah uh and so it's like it should have been a 90 minute schlocky dinosaur and mayhem movie it just mm. happened to cost 200 million dollars mm. uh it was when it came out, Jurassic World became the single most successful movie of all time. Uh, in that, yeah, at least it for made, a bit, it made yeah. half a billion dollars on opening weekend, which had never happened before. Yeah, no, that was insane. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I, I will say this: I like that movie more than you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to claim it's a particularly good movie. Yeah, but I think as a dinosaur spectacle film, okay. I think it pushes most of the right buttons. There are things in the movie that do not work. The characters are all uniformly crap. Like, it's spectacularly badly written from a character perspective. But the dinosaur mayhem is pretty darn cool. And as a result, I give that movie, like, a tepid recommendation. Like, it's it's kind of fun to watch. I I wouldn't watch... It's not like I'm going to, like, develop a fondness for it and watch it over and over again and name my kids Owen and Blue. But, like, I... uh, Oh, that was the other thing they introduced in the Jurassic World was uh, that velociraptors can now be trained. uh, which Which... Which is a fun idea. They can be trained, and uh, as we, 
the, the trainer is played by uh, Chris Pratt, and yeah. uh, and he who spends uh, most of this entire trilogy with his hand out ahead of him, going. I was going to ah? say. I, I was going to say that the only thing you really need to do to tame this like carnivorous death lizard, yeah, is just hold up like a stop hand and like, look kind of stern. Stop in the name of love and give it like look it in the eye. Yeah, and then just don't move, yeah. and then just shake your head a little bit like nah, man. Have you ever no. tried doing that with a bird? Or, no, or a lizard? Never tried, tried doing that with Luca. He just swats at my hand. I've done that with a, I've done that with an iguana. It just <laughs> continues to lay there. Yeah, it gives no fucks. Mm. Um, the the sequel, Fallen Kingdom, which I missed in theaters and actually didn't watch for the first in its entirety until recently, because I was like, oh, I gotta see Dominion, and I know that there's like characters from the last one that show up. I should watch Fallen Kingdom. So I watched Fallen Kingdom. It was directed by J. A. Bayona. Who's typically more of a horror filmmaker and it shows There are things I like about this movie I like that uh, after like four films of running from dinosaurs The first half of the movie is about saving dinosaurs Because we like dinosaurs If we didn't like dinosaurs we wouldn't be going to these movies So the idea of having to save the dinosaurs from a natural disaster Is kind of a neat idea Uh, I'm also fucking pissed at this movie And the reason why is... um, that whole sequence where they're saving the dinosaurs on the volcano, mm. they don't save them all. A lot of it is animals running in terror and dying. And there's uh, a bit at the in, in the middle of the... You, did you see it? You yeah, saw it, right? Saw it. So there's saw a bit in halfway through the movie where they, they end up on a boat and they've saved whatever dinosaurs they've saved, but a lot of them don't. And they're like running away from this giant lava flow. Mm. And they look back at them and there's like one Brachiosaurus on the pier. And you can just see the Brachiosaurus going, Hey, you forgot me! Hey guys, uh, guys, you forgot me. Remember from the first movie? Look, hey guys, oh crap! Yeah. And then you see the Brachiosaur die, and I'm like, I'm mad. If I was a kid, <laughs> that would traumatize the shit out of me. As an adult, the, it just they just made me depressed for the rest of the film. Here's here's the deal. Um, the the first movie is don't uh, and they, there's a lot of dialogue yeah. to this effect. Don't play God. Don't yeah. Don't play God. Don't don't. Extract dinosaur DNA and resurrect them. Introduce them into the ecosystem because now they're an invasive species. Yeah, you're you're messing up with the uh, the food chain. This is like environmentally disastrous. Is resurrecting these uh, dinosaurs that Mm -hmm. were extinct for tens of millions of years. Yeah. Uh, So and they with each subsequent sequel they just sort of try to learn that same lesson again. It's like oh the. These things are still destructive. Oh, they're still destructive. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna no, we're gonna tri- put them in a park again. No, you idiot. We had three movies saying that was a destructive, stupid yeah. thing to do. So watching the dinosaurs die, I was just finding finally thinking to myself, well, just kill them all. Yeah. And let's get back to normal well, here and, and, and I, no, no longer destroy the environment with all of these invasive species. And I gotta be honest here, I actually appreciated that Fallen Kingdom attempted to have that conversation and just say, listen, they're not supposed to be here. Yeah. They were created by mad scientists. It sucks that they're living things and that they'll die, but this is a natural disaster. Mm. This would have happened anyway. They put them on this island yeah. with an active volcano. So maybe we just don't do anything. It's sad, but we let nature take its course, and then the world is saved. And But there are characters who have a lot of affection for the dinosaurs, and they insist on saving them. There are also people, and even if they had done nothing, mm. there are also corrupt business people who were stealing the dinosaurs so that they could recreate the experiments and also sell them to the highest bidder. Well, were, an, the second half of this movie takes place at like at a, in a Jura- castle. And Jurassic like a pri- Manor. They yeah, like called it Jurassic Manor. It's like a private uh, museum, and they're selling dinosaurs to bad guys. Like There's a the, the auction scene where Toby Jones shows up as the auctioneer. Here's an Ancuna. 
Dilosaur in a day. You can buy it for fifty million. It's like a, it's like a walking 50 tank. Million? Yeah, and yeah, and there's like these guys with like rifles strapped across their backs. Yeah, I want one of those things. They, they, it's like they, it's a fucking dinosaur. It's just an, it's a big and this the thing that they're and they're weirdly committed to this, and it comes back in Dominion. Uh, they create a new species called the Indoraptor. That's not back in, in Dominion. But the idea is it's like it's a super intelligent giant velociraptor. Well, but the, you can... there's been so much genetic tinkering mm-hmm. that they're just kind of making up monsters at this point. And actually, that's, that's a conceit that comes back in, yeah. in Dominion. I actually appreciated something B.D. Wong said in Jurassic World. His character said... Um, they're just like, oh, you created a new dinosaur just to attract more people? Mm. What not that like stepping over the line? He's just like... A, we already created dinosaurs. B, when we created them, they had feathers, and they had us undo that shit mm. because it didn't fit the brand. Well, so then, we're already mucking about that, that. That line, however, was was, was a band aid. Well, it was it was a band aid because since Jurassic park came out yeah uh, advances in paleontology were made and, yeah. and dinosaur we learned more about dinosaurs in the interim and we learned that they and, did and have feathers that they were like more closely related to birds that a lot of them had feathers yeah. and so they said well why didn't they have feathers in jurassic park we didn't think about that i, I my we're point still is they... designing dinosaurs the same way they looked uh in paintings uh, yeah. and artist renderings of living dinosaurs that were made in like the 1850s when the bones were first discovered. I'm not giving the series credit for thinking that out in 1993. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them credit for having a great reason for it later. Yeah, like the, they actually make uh, sense because it's all about capitalism. Yeah. Uh, that whole auction sequence is really dumb. They yeah. introduce this whole notion that uh, not only they're tinkering with dinosaur DNA and creating new species of dinosaurs mm-hmm. that behave like Looney Tunes. Yeah. There's one that pretends to be knocked out so yeah, it can just lure trick someone. Ted Levine up. Yeah. Uh, but also they've been tinkering with human DNA. And yeah. you would think that this would lead to the obvious human-dinosaur hybrid. They don't go quite that far, but they go quite that stupid. Uh-huh. And there's a, a human clone wandering around the... Yeah. the who is, mansion as well, who is a young very girl. important for reasons that Dominion has to make up in order to solve. I'm not exactly sure what her importance is, but uh, she comes back. And yeah. uh, at the end of uh, Fallen Kingdom, mm. all of the dinosaurs in the mansion, the mansion's not on an island, it's on the mainland. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's in the United States. It's in the United then, States. And the dinosaurs get out and they're just going to go out into the public. Yeah, and, and, and they, they they specify it's only like 11 species of dinosaurs. So it's, it's not, not like... Not too many. Which is not... I mean, it's some of the biggies. You know, we got a velociraptor. We got brachiosaurs. Mm. We got triceratopses. We got pterodactyls. We got allosauruses. Several predators. Mm. You know, this could be a disaster. And of course, they immediately start breeding because, you know, Ian Malcolm well, said they the, were. Uh, the yeah. opening sequence of Dominion is... Uh, You think it's going to start saying something really interesting. Yeah. The dinosaurs have proliferated all over the world. They are an invasive species again. Yeah. But in a really weirdly harmless kind of way. Like, the worst that happens is... A, a pterosaur nests at the top of a oh, building. No, 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 at the beginning they of the also, movie, they, they, like, knock over, like, a crabbing vessel, like a, the giant mosasaurus in the ocean. Oh, yeah, but... It, like, knocks over a boat. So that's a problem, you know, that, that's, yeah. that, that's potentially dangerous. Okay. Do you think, uh, with, like, brontosauri mm-hmm. wandering around, that they wouldn't just be, like, knocking buildings over by mistake? Those are enormous animals. Yes, they are. Uh, or, you know... Uh, Tyrannosaurs just sort of r- running around eating people every time. There's no disaster element to this. Yeah, they're just they're like pigeons now. Yeah, and there's 
another something they introduce is now there's like a, a dinosaur black market in the near future. Yeah. Uh, enough time has passed for that young girl from the the last movie to grow into a teenager. Mm-hmm. She's played by the same actress, and um, the. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt characters are now looking after her in a snowy cabin in the woods yeah. where they're also raising uh, one of the velociraptors, which just sort of hangs around uh, yeah. them. Uh, the, the one remaining velociraptor, Blue, which is the smart one that like mm. follows Owen around. Uh, and Blue also has uh, asexually reproduced. Yeah, there's a little baby velociraptor that they named Beta. It's cute. Why didn't... I, I, Really wish they just ate Chris Pratt. No, not because <laughs> just to prove in the just first like a movie, grizzly man. Just be like you can't. You can only. Yeah, you can only, yeah, you can only tame them for so long. You know. In the first movie, they yeah. were they were just animals. They were yeah. just sort of behave like behaving in animal nature, and occasionally yeah. they'd fight in the way animals fight. Uh, by the time we get to these Jurassic World movies, they're just uncontrollable monsters. At the yeah. end of Jurassic World. They say, oh no, there's this giant monster on the loose. I know. I'll let Godzilla, I mean the Tyrannosaurus loose, and I'll just let him fight. Yeah. Like, so the the Tyrannosaurus is like the good guy now. Yeah, he's the good it's guy not, dinosaur. It's not just an animal anymore. <laughs> no, he's like the, the good, good guy, guy dinosaur. dinosaur. Well, he's been the, the good guy dinosaur since he saved uh, everyone from the Velociraptors at the end of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so the premise at the beginning of this movie is dinosaurs are loose all over the earth. Mm. And there's this big thing about like how like oh they've traveled the oceans and I'm like really how did the Triceratops do that? I'm curious. Yeah. Like it, it seems like it's maybe a, a little blown out of proportion. Like I buy them roaming free in like the Pacific Northwest, but I'm not sure they would have gotten to Malta as easily as you think. Yeah. But anyway, uh, there's there's dinosaurs all over the world. Our heroes are protecting this girl whose identity has also been revealed. So they know that there is a cloned human out there. Uh, which well, puts her in the crosshairs because I guess they would want to perform horrifying experiments. I'm not exactly sure why there are bad guys after. I don't remember yeah. like what the well, deal was with, with I, her backstory because I, I don't because I, I saw Fallen Kingdom and they, I don't they have like to, it. So uh, in I, order to justify why she is like wanted, hmm. they have to make some shit up. And here's what they make up. So basically, we've got those characters are enticed to leave their home, which is like all you can really ask from the first act of a movie. Get people out of the house. Uh, bad guys kidnap the baby Velociraptor, allowing Chris Pratt to promise a Velociraptor he will bring its baby home, which even this movie, which is not very self-aware, acknowledges is a weird plot point, mm. uh, and also kidnap the teenage girl. They're, they're kidnapped by this uh, evil science organization run by Campbell Scott. Uh, who uh, is actually, and I didn't know this watching the movie. Yeah. Somebody pointed this out to me later, uh, that... He is actually a character that appeared in Jurassic Park. Yeah, he was the guy who um, enlisted Dennis Nedry to steal the dinosaurs yeah, the, in the, the first place. the guy place. in the hat with the glasses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't look up that actor. Yeah, there's uh, a reason that actor is not back. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't ruin your day by looking that shit up. Uh, so Campbell Scott's playing that guy. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ellie Sattler and Alan Grant, Laura Dern and uh, Sam Neill from the original movie, are brought back into the mix, not in an organic way, like not in a way that like would just sort of well, justify putting them in the same room as the other characters. What, they have to have their whole other subplot. What's happened? Yeah, so there's that subplot where we got yeah. uh, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard yeah. and Chris Pratt and, uh, and the teenage girl are all yeah. on the run from these yeah. bad guys. Which is, which is again, and, not uh, brilliant writing, but clean. Yeah, and People the, are kidnapped. We have to rescue yeah, them. She's the story and, can begin. And they have right. to, and their story takes them to Malta, to this underground yeah. where there's mm-hmm. uh, like genetically engineered dinosaurs mm-hmm. in this black market. And they, mm-hmm. There's this born identity uh, chase scene yeah, with, the, like with the... motorcycles through a yeah. city. And well, they well, end well, up... Well, um, well, 
dinosaurs are chasing them, yeah. and it's kind of fun, but really, really, really not not smart. Yeah. Like it's really there, there's this thing they introduced in Fallen Kingdom that they are so committed to, even though it makes no sense. Um, if you like use a laser pointer, like if you're playing with your cat mm. uh, on and put it on somebody, there are some dinosaurs that will chase them forever until they die. And they with s- a laser pointer when they sell this, and it's it's like a, like a high tech thing, but basically mm. it's a laser pointer. And they sell this thing. It's like, all you got to do is target someone with this laser pointer, and then the dinosaur will kill them. And it's like... You have a gun. You, 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 you just shoot them. You already, have to point, <laughs> you already have to point something at them. You can just shoot them. The dinosaur is a ridiculously... It's and, and here's the thing. We never see them successfully kill anybody when this is done. No, they get away. Like, I think maybe at the beginning of, like, at the start of Fallen Kingdom or whatever, but, like, still, like... They're it's easy. They're they're easy to trick. Mm. They're still animals. Like they're they're dangerous, but you can trick them. They're, that black market had a few scenes of people cooking and eating dinosaurs. Yeah, I wish we had delved into that a little bit more. That sounds like a more interesting like avenue. Yeah, you know, like, like I would if it was like just the... all about sort of the the dinosaur black market yeah. that was like a little bit more into the we have future. to say we have to save the baby velociraptor yeah. because like emerald wants to cook it there like, you go, like there it's, you it's, go. They've, they've been cooked bam indeed they've been hu- hunted and cooked uh yeah. as like cuisine yeah and they're nearly extinct again because humans are wiping them out for food purposes there's a better story yeah it's, uh yeah it's me, a little thin but like you can build something on top of that yeah. uh, meanwhile while uh, oh and they hook up with uh and uh dewanda wise who plays this mm. Very generic action hero character. We needed a, uh, we needed someone to fly a plane later, and none of the existing characters knew how to fly yeah, a plane. So they, that's literally the so reason. So they have this this kind of like flip talking action pilot, and all Han of her Solo, her basically. dialogue is like the most boring thing. It's, it's all she, she's she's bringing all you can bring to that role. She's which, which, yeah, there's not a lot you can. Bring she, she's got right a now. lot of on screen charisma, but that is an underwritten, mm. cartoonish role. Honestly, considering like how how like most of like her like flights go, uh, I feel like the character was based on Launchpad McQuack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, better if they like yeah. just like Chippendale Rescue Rangers. They just put him in it was CGI. Just and we yeah, never just, talked about. Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, yes. there are locusts. Uh, the, uh, yes. the, the, the actual kind of main plot of the movie. Meanwhile, while all this nonsense is going on, uh, some like foot and a half long locusts have arisen somehow. Yeah. Uh, These weren't a part of Jurassic World, but now there's Mm. a foot and a half long locust. And they're eating all the crops. They're they're eating all the crops except except for the uh, genetically modified crops made with GM seeds. Uh, so yeah. and they made specifically by Campbell Scott's company, by, yeah, which is which, which is called Biosyn. Uh, wow, how, how subtle! Yeah, uh, and but, Laura Dern is like, wait a minute, it's only eating crops that aren't from the company that does genetic research, and I'm like, and, that and should she, be enough to open an investigation. Says, in that shit. She says we need to break into that lab to see if there are locusts already there, and yeah. if there are these incriminating locusts, I don't know why they'd keep them there, but okay, we're gonna, yeah. gonna keep them there. And we need they have to, no other buildings. There's only e- one building. Extract DNA out of them. Yeah. Compare it to the DNA in these other foot and a half long locusts because it could be any foot and a half long. Like locusts. yeah, seriously. Like and, it's, uh, it's, this. This is purely circumstantial. You're yeah. Honor. Like <laughs> how do you know those are my foot and a half long locusts? They could be anybody's. Uh, and then bring it, I guess, to the press, and that would stop the company. You know. What happens during the movie makes that whole plan completely moot, even though she completes it anyway. Even Campbell Scott, the bad guy who is doing that plan, mm. describes it as a side project. 
<laughs> it's not even important to the bad guy. Yeah. It is literally just an but, excuse to get those characters off on their own side thing uh, so that later on in like the third act, they can team up with the characters from Jurassic World yeah, so and they can all look at each other like, wow, you're in those movies. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, yeah, like that scene in Hot Shots where like he runs in the Martin... Or Hot, was it, Hot, Hot Shots Part 2. Yeah, he runs in the Charlie Martin Sheen. Charlie and Martin Sheen meet each other on the river. Yeah, yeah and he's parodying Apocalypse Now. Martin Sheen is in Apocalypse Now. And they just sort of look at each other and give each other a thumbs up and say, wow. I loved you in Wall Street. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> kind of, yeah, that's the moment in Jurassic World. Uh, Dominion. Yeah. yeah, Laura Dern picks up Sam Neill. They yeah. go to this, uh, the island. And all of a sudden, even though the dinosaurs are supposed to be this global threat, uh-huh. we kind of, that falls away from the rest of the movie. And a lot of dinosaurs have now been congregated in this big valley. Yeah. And it it's feels like, like it's contained again. It, you had, the premise of the movie is that dinosaurs are out in the world. You have a montage showing that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You have a long subplot involving locusts. You have one kind of neat action sequence with like a motorcycle chase with dinosaurs in Malta. But you really didn't need that sequence. That's pure filler. And then the second half of the movie, they're trapped in a park full of deadly dinosaurs trying to get out. That's the plot of all of them except for Mm. Fallen Kingdom, and that's still half of Fallen Kingdom. Like, it's nonsense how desperate they are not to do anything with their own premise. Mm. It is really fucking weird. And I would would say this. But at the same time, it's presented in this really kind of portentous kind of a way. Like, everything we're witnessing, they're trying to give it the same level of awe yeah even though this is the sixth time we've seen it it's it's old hat now yeah. like there's there's like a couple of new dinosaurs which are kind of neat there's this one giant like uh, bird like one dinosaur yeah, yeah it's got giant claws and it's actually really creepy and there's a couple of really creepy bits with it that's a cool dinosaur there's a cool set piece but yeah it's amazing how old hat this completely feels and I would I would be okay with it if it was fun. Like we just said, Jurassic Park three, it's kind of a nothing burger of a movie. It's just monster mayhem. But the monster mayhem is fun. It's well presented. It, the characters are okay. There are decisions that they make in this movie that completely undermine it, my ability to have fun with it. One. The locust thing is completely pointless and takes up too much of the fucking movie. Well, and uh, it, it introduces this notion of invasive species again. Yeah. But that doesn't stick anymore because a lot of what this film is trying to point out is that dinosaurs are just going to kind of fall back in with the yeah. natural ecosystem and the, the earth is going to be okay so with So we had around. to invent locusts in order As, to make the point that we couldn't make because just write it the other way. Because write it we, as if dinosaurs are invasive. We, we can't have... Di- I don't know why the filmmakers don't want the dinosaurs yeah. to be an invasive species after they've spread throughout the world. They that would be apocalyptic they don't want the dinosaurs to be very scary anymore and one of the ways you can tell mm-hmm. the body count in this movie is very low there's one, amongst the main characters there's only like there, one yeah. main character who like gets it there's in one this movie. one guy gets eaten on camera yeah that's some I, like, straight up bs and like a couple of like side bad guys who are like gobbled up in the background but like of the main characters like people we know enough to like maybe know their name at least while we're watching the movie mm. yeah they, they there's no one they forgot that at its heart jurassic park was a horror movie and so was jurassic world and i think so is fallen kingdom and uh, uh the lost world to an extent mm. I, I, they all are really they're 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 monster movies with giant creatures with giant teeth yeah. biting people to death 
there is an element of the horror genre in there and this movie is terrified to approach that and as a result the dinosaurs don't have a lot of threat because they never capitalize on that threat until like the very end of the movie and even then it's like one guy and he's clearly got it coming like that's it that that sucks there's no stakes there the stakes are incredibly low for a movie with like the theoretically could have the biggest stakes of any Jurassic Park movie and then on top of that there's so many little things in this movie that are just very shabby there's like a sequence where all of the characters the main characters are together and they're being chased by this one extra giant tyrannosaur and uh, they all have to climb up a ladder in order to try to escape it, right? Oh, and yeah, there's like yeah, six yeah. of them, or, or like there's more. There's like seven people, and only they climb up a ladder. And climbing up the ladder leaves them vulnerable, and the dinosaur might bite them. And so we see one person climb up, and the dinosaur tries to bite them, and they're like ah, but they manage to get up there. And then another person does. The dinosaur tries to bite them, and they're like ah, and then the dinosaur like looks to the left for a second, and when it looks back over, they're all up that ladder. That was a one person ladder, and there are five more people that had to get up that thing. Yeah, and I don't know if that's they didn't get the coverage. I don't know if they cut a sequence out. I thought it was too long. I know, but a it lot reads of... it reads just bad editing. I know a lot of uh, a lot of this film was made under duress. This was mm-hmm. a this was a pandemic movie. Sure, and because they had sort of the movie uh, the budget and they had the green screen and mm-hmm. uh, you know the way ways to shoot around a lot of it. Yeah, uh, they were able to sort of assemble a lot of it together. Although there yeah. were days when the entire cast was on camera together, sure. so they got. Uh, the, you got the money shot of the, the whole crew. The whole crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the Jurassic Park protagonists. The, the amount of time that has passed is a little bit odd. Um, I think the yeah. characters are supposed to be older than the actors are at this point, but yeah. whatever. Uh, the glory shot is supposed to be having the cast of Jurassic World, which was this giant hit, and Jurassic mm. Park, which was also this giant hit, mm. together at last. Yeah. Uh, but it's incredibly stupid mm-hmm. they're not really thinking out the plotting very well mm-hmm. uh the themes aren't really thought at all this idea of you know whether or not you know are we even thinking about species or the environment at all yeah. no we're just well, sort of calling back a lot of dinosaur mayhem yeah. that we did from the last one and even if you think about so, it, like wanting to see those characters together uh I don't, what are they going to say to each other well exactly what are they going to say not, not, the, the Jurassic World characters in particular don't have characters and and <laughs> And to a degree, you could, uh, you know, I think the actors are bringing a lot more to those characters. Mm-hmm. We like those characters because they're played by talented actors and they have witty mm-hmm. things to say. But Jurassic Park was mm-hmm. not like this penetrating character piece. No, it was about the arc of Alan Grant. His I... arc was he hated kids at the beginning, and then he has got like kids cuddling on him by the end. And that, that was kind yeah. of it for him. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm not saying that they were complex character studies, and yet they feel so much more complex than the characters. Now, that, yeah, it almost feels yeah. miraculous now. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Watching all of this sort of bland dinosaur mayhem, mm-hmm. and they're going everywhere. They're in Malta. They're in this hidden yeah. valley. They're in a lab. They're flaming locusts at one point. Uh, it... it it's so boring. Yeah. There's no, nothing thrilling or exciting about any of this. Yeah. The idea of... The reason uh, a lot of people connected to that first Jurassic Park mm-hmm. was this this sort of sense of wonderment. We get to see the dinosaurs, uh, and you know we have that swelling mm-hmm. score, and everything's just really exhilarating. And, we believe that they're real. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You will believe now, a man can fly. That was the tagline in Superman. Jurassic think, Park, you uh, will believe dinosaurs are real. That's all it was. The, the pervasiveness of great special effects, and... Mm-hmm. Many movies just have wonderful special effects. We, get, we almost take it for granted yeah, now, like, honestly. Oh, and yeah. there's there's a wizard fighting a tentacle monster, Snore. It's like, yeah. you know, it looks as real as that kind of thing can look. Yeah. Uh, 
the effect itself the, the is no longer a selling exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. So just having dinosaurs on camera six films into this thing, and you have twenty mm. some years. So I guess almost thirty years, thirty twenty nine years. Uh, yeah, give or take. Yeah, um, damn near. Uh, it, it's not going to dazzle anybody anymore. No, no, and not by itself. And the no. problem is, they don't know what else to do. And every subsequent sequel has been lacking that. And I feel yeah. like Jurassic World didn't have a dazzle. It was just sort of like answering a fan question: What would the park look like if it had opened? And you know would what? Would it have been full of wonderment? No, it's just more people. The dinosaurs. I, are I don't mind in like a franchise where every once in a while you in a long running series of films. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you do a film that kind of cuts back to basics mm. to remind you why we're here in the first place. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that, like, David Gordon Green's Halloween is basically just a straight-up slasher. Mm. I don't. It's fine. Every once in a while, it's important to go back to that so that later on, we can bring back the Cult of Thorn. <laughs> we oh. can appreciate how weird that. Hooray! Well, what is that? But you, you've gotten really far in the weeds. Let's bring it back to basics and remind people why we're here in the first place and why we cared. Mm. So I'm fine with that. But then, yeah, eventually, if you're going to keep doing them... We have to be here for a reason. Again, I think Fallen Kingdom had an idea, especially at the beginning. We're going to save the dinosaurs. Okay. It's broad, simple, but let us it's a, it's a different thing we're doing. Here, I, you, you this is what you have? This is all I have. This, you've, been, you've, you've been building up to this. It was a cliffhanger. And, like, all you've got is, ah, some dinosaurs chasing after us again we have to stop those locusts some of them are some of them are in a cave oh shit this mm. does change everything dominion like I, 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 the whole world mm. you could globe trot around and see dinosaurs changing the world in all kinds of bizarre ways mm. any type of fucking thing you want yeah we we had those pterodactyls <laughs> or pterodons wherever they were on the top of, like, the... Whatever. Like, I think it was the Chrysler Building. I think it was the Chrysler yeah. Building. They're, like, nesting on top of the Chrysler Building. There's a whole movie uh, about that called uh, Q the Winged Serpent, mm. which is about a dragon living on top of the uh, Chrysler Building. I think, no, uh, Empress Tape Building, that one. Yeah. Um, that's a whole sequence in of there of, like, Tyrannodons, like, just picking people off. Yeah, like, on, on their commute. Because it's their territory now. Like, that's a whole thing. Like, and they're just going to do the same shit over and over again. The the movie feels like uh, the the filmmakers had some ideas for uh, dinosaur set pieces. Yeah. And had to, like, sort of manufacture ways to put them into a movie. Which which means they're they're really. I understand that, but, you know, the more graceful filmmakers will find organic ways to get people around. Yeah. Uh, All of a sudden, there's a crashed plane on a frozen lake and a, a. feathery monsters breaking through the ice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was useless to the movie. No, it was uh, real, just real film. I mean, it was cool. Look, it was cool to see like a really uh, feathery dinosaur, but yeah, it didn't do nothing. And uh, yeah, the whole, the way the plots really clumsily. Oh, that's, and that's another one where like Chris, uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Pratt, Pratt, Chris, Downey, the other Chris, Chris Downey Jr. Chris Pratt. There's a bit in that where he like falls underneath a frozen lake and he soaks to the bone, mm. and it's never an issue. And he just sort of pops out and he, keeps on running. He's, yeah. he's not even, like, chilly. It's mm. like there's so little attention to any kind of internal logic that... There, here's here's something that drives me nuts. So there's a, there's a scene in the movie where they gotta um, go into a room where they keep all of the genetically engineered locusts, like you do. The, the grossest moment was when Sam Neill picked one up with his hands. Yeah, it's kind of gross. It's, like, it's ah, a big old bug. It's a big icky bug. Okay, so there's and they're in this room with the locusts, and then later on in the movie, 
Uh, there's a whole sequence which, just like many Jurassic Park movies, they have to like reset a computer system in order to get security working so that they can escape. Okay, fine, whatever. But they can't do it at a computer terminal. They have to go do it by hand. And in order to do it, they have to go into the locust room. Why did you put that button in the locust room? And we know it's that room because yeah. they have to walk through the locusts. They see like this big oh, vent where the so locusts stupid. flew flew out, and then the buttons are just on the other side. What the fuck? Who designed that? Like that makes no sense whatsoever. And I know it's a movie about dinosaurs being real, but like you need to have some idea that there is some consistency, some logic, and again, some stakes in order to give a shit about that. And I just can't. Mm. I really can't. I wanted to. It's a Silly movie about dinosaurs yeah. killing people. I'm an easy target. I'll enjoy. I've enjoyed most of these movies to some extent or another, and this is. I mean, it's it's hardly the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's just like you spent how much on this? Yeah. The, it, if we're gonna be six movies into this thing, six movies. This movie needed to be uh, Dinosaurs Attack, yeah. which was a trading card uh, spinoff of Mars Attacks. Yeah. Dinosaurs Attack was the Jurassic Park premise. We, uh, we've resurrected dinosaurs. I think in the the myth of those cards, yeah. uh, they just, I think it was like they found the Lost World and they brought dinosaurs to the city and dinosaurs ripped mm. people apart. And the, the cards were incredibly gory. It's like guts going yeah. out. Caused a, caused a stir when those cards came out. Very controversial. Uh have that. Just have dinosaurs mm. eating Boy Scouts. Uh, let it be smashing scary up again. the world. At least gremlin scary. Like at least yeah. let some real proper mayhem involved. Yeah, like just yeah. Ma- make it really crazy. Uh, people yeah. just die left and right. Kill off the main characters. Someone unceremoniously kill, kill one off. main character. I don't care who. I uh, honestly don't. Just mm. kill one main character just to prove that no one's safe. Because otherwise, we know they're all safe. Yeah. Well, and my, it's a boring film. My point is. It, They've there's clearly not a, a big idea yeah. here. There's not a huge idea for these monster attack movies. Yeah. So if you're gonna make a monster attack movie, make it kind of cheesy. Yeah. Make it feel like an exploitation picture. Don't lend it this sense of myth and completely whiz down your leg any sense of awe because mm. there's no awe. There's no wonderment. There's no thrills. There's nothing. Uh, if seeing Sam Neill and Laura Dern act opposite each other is all you're looking for, then, well, A, you have pretty low standards for this film. Yeah, B, just uh, watch and, the original movie again. Yeah, and just watch the original movie again. Uh, I'm glad they got a paycheck. Yeah. There. Sam Neill, Sam Neill has not had, like, the most incredible film career since Jurassic Park. He's, Good for you. Your, your grandkids steady, are taken care of. He's had steady work. I, I, he's had steady work, but he hasn't been in a lot of blockbusters or anything like that. I'm not oh. going to begrudge him a paycheck. All right. I'm not going to begrudge got, Laura Dern a paycheck. Got, they probably all got paid quite handsomely. Good for them. All right? Yeah. I'm happy for them. I'm I'm sad for me because I had to watch it. Anyway. I'm sad for all the audience members who had yeah. to watch this big old piece of shit. As, it's terrible. And again, if you're... If it's you're, terrible. It is not it's, enjoyable. It's, it's, not, it, it's It grinds on and on, and it's long. It's two and a half hours in yeah, length. Yeah, it really you, feels you know, you just it, need, too. You really need to start cramming in more and more of this stuff. I got that same sort of weary, sinking feeling I got when I was watching, like, a Roland Emmerich's Godzilla movie. Yeah. Which, by the way, I know there are defenders of that movie now, is a bad film. It is a bad film, it's, yeah. That's not a good movie. That's not a favorable there, comparison. There's a couple of fun like set piece shots or moments in it, but that's a low there, bar like for a, any expensive a, a, action movie. It has a weird sense of humor. That's kind yeah. of the only thing I, I, I kind of like about that movie. The you bad know, sense of humor. You know what that? that movie? You know what that movie had? And I will mm. give this movie this. I will give Roland Emmerich's Godzilla movie this. 
The teasers were great. The advertising campaign for that Godzilla film was first rate. They had teasers for that movie. If you've never seen them, there were teasers for Roland Emmerich's Godzilla that featured scenes that were not in the movie. And there was one that was like a was like a takeoff on Jurassic Park, where they were like showing people like in a museum. Oh, it was th- like, this was a teaser. Yeah, yeah. it, it like, wasn't a scene from the film. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't a scene from the film. It was a separate teaser just to sell the movie, and it was uh, like a docent at a museum doing a, a big speech about the yes, the Tyrannosaurus Rex, t- the most fearsome dinosaur. A bunch of kids standing yeah. around, and all the kids yeah. going wow, and you get that great sense of scale. It's like wow, look at this giant monster that once stalked the earth. Yes, it could snap you up whole with his giant teeth. Look yes. how giant it is. It's so huge. And then Godzilla. Uh, steps on it. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, a, there's a skylight, and through the skylight in the ceiling, we just see Godzilla's foot come down and crush the entire dinosaur skeleton yeah, and like, walk off. You could step on a T-Rex and not even notice. And then, of course, the big tagline, size does matter. Which is cheeky, but it, it sold the film. Yeah. <laughs> it sold the film. I, I liked some of the billboards for that film. Yeah. Uh, there'd be like a billboard and said, his eye is as big as this billboard. That's a his fun His foot billboard. is as big as this bus. Like, they're trying to really sell Good advertising. Like really sold that movie. Mm. The movie didn't hold up to it, but like the advertising was great. Mm. So I'll give him credit for that. But that mo- that movie is also really long. And it yeah. goes way too mm-hmm. way too far with a lot of its stupid mm-hmm. monster mayhem. It has a lot of dumb ideas. The characters aren't very interesting. Yeah, just like this Jurassic I, World. I'm movie. also not on board with. I, I appreciate saying it's not as bad as its reputation. I am not on board with people saying that the Lost World Jurassic Park is as good or better than the original. No, that's no. insanity. No, no, it's it's, 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 it's there's it's good pretty, set pieces. It's pretty that third one is is like I said, it's unpretentious. It, it's yeah. me- brief monster mayhem movie, and yeah. it, it doesn't have any aspirations yeah. to do anything beyond that. Yeah, and for that, I admire it. But the second uh, one is second one is way also really bloated. Has yeah. a lot of really dumb ideas, and yeah. they kept on doing it with these Jurassic World movies. Yeah. I don't like the Jurassic World movies, not even that first one, and yeah. this one is the worst of the lot. Yeah, that but is true. Quite yeah. I like easily, more than you do, but yeah, this, this is the worst of the whole series. Yeah. It is just a, a chore to sit through. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Uh, for yes, the love of God, yes, please. All right, and let's talk. Speaking of God, uh, let's talk ah. about an- another visual effects spectacular this that's, one was that's actually Jurassic Park related indeed uh, because uh, this comes uh, from the mind and honestly the spare time <laughs> of visual effects of underkeen Phil Tippett uh, Phil Tippett uh, was responsible for many of the great monster effects in the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. He was responsible for the absolutely well, fucking phenomenal dragon in the movie Dragon Slayer. He he was uh, Phil Tippett was a monster animator. So yeah. uh, whenever there was stop motion in yeah. in Star Wars, he would he would also uh, do like stop was... motion on like the ATATs or the ATSTs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, he, yeah. he did that for the Star Wars movies. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, one of the pioneers of what they called go motion, yeah. which was stop motion animation, but they found this clever photographic way to add a certain kind of motion blur in between the frames mm-hmm. to make it look a little bit more smooth, a little bit more natural. And, uh, yeah. and the the most impressive go motion creature was the one from Dragon Slayer. Yeah, the dragon uh, from Dragon Slayer. Uh, is, is, its name is Vermithrax Pejorative, yeah. which is the greatest dragon name in all of history. Yeah. Uh, and it's it, the movie is good, maybe not amazing, but good. The dragon in Dragon Slayer is one of the all-time great visual effects. Mm. That thing is fucking terrifying and absolutely believable. Like, I really am able to believe that that thing existed. Um, yeah, Phil, Phil Tippett, uh, he was just a special effects guy. Worked on a yeah. lot of big films. He did yeah. monster stuff for Twilight. He did the ED-209 from Robocop. Yeah. Um, 
So good uh, pedigree and, and a lot of experience in the, the special effects yeah. world. He directed one film prior to this, mm. which was Starship Troopers Two. Oh yeah, uh, I one saw of the that. Straight to video ones, which I, I haven't seen. It's the least of the three. Right. It's the one that feels like they had a script for something that wasn't Starship Troopers, and they made it Starship Troopers. Hmm. Um, it's. I guess reasonably watchable, but uh, three is the one where they actually feel like it takes place in the Starship Troopers universe and has satire on its mind again. Okay. So it's actually not that bad. But yeah, two is just a straight to video monster movie that happens to be set in the Starship Troopers universe. But uh, this is a project that he had been working on uh, for quite a few years. And then he, about like, like 30 years to make it, this movie. It took him 30 years to make the movie. He was working on it in his spare time, and then he gave up on it because it seemed like the industry had moved away from stop-motion animation, which is what he'd been using to create it. Mm-hmm. And then after he had taken a long break from it, he, apparently a bunch of people convinced him, you're doing something really interesting here. Mm-hmm. You should finish this. And so he enlisted some more help, and they had a Kickstarter, and they were able to produce the entire feature film called Mad God. Mad God... Is an entire is an, no, it's not entirely. It's almost entirely stop motion animated. There's a few live action bits here and there, yeah, but it's, 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 it's isolated shots mostly. The stop motion is mixed in with some yeah. live action actors. Uh, well, one rather notable one, but we'll, we'll get to him. we'll get to that in a second. But uh, yeah, it is a almost completely dialogue free. Uh, uh, it's it is dialogue free. Well, like, there's there are characters there's speaking, people, but you can't tell what they're saying. There's people like kind of mutter, uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, almost in like a Wallace and Gromit kind of way, like where they're they're talking, but you're not supposed to know what they're saying. Um, and it is it takes place in a horrifying world, presumably post-apocalyptic, but so unbelievably monstrous that it's hard to pin it down as merely post-apocalyptic. It, this is a horrible nightmare realm. It's it's. It's like post-entropy. It is so far in the distant future. Like, there's still mm. uh, recognizable things around. There's, like, sure. Jeeps and motorcycles that still function, yeah. kind of. Nothing is new. Nothing is clean. Everything mm. is coated with rust and filth. Uh, there are beings there that aren't necessarily human, but they're definitely human-shaped. Yeah. And every chamber that uh, sort of the, the protagonist-ish character that we're mm. following through the bulk of the movie... Uh, every time it penetrates a deeper chamber in this like steady descent into the center of whatever this hell world is, mm-hmm. uh, there is a collection of beings that is engaged in some kind of unknowable industrial death device, yeah, death they're, thing. They're like giants who have like, their heads attached to horrible electrodes and they're just screaming in terror. Yeah, gi- uh, giants are being electrocuted. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, there's like a severed giant head that's been connected to all of these devices and there's yeah. severed organs hanging from the walls and it's yeah. being fed filth and crapping mm. out slaves that are dying as they are being yeah. fed into this Moloch-like machine. All of these uh, like humanoid drones are here to perform menial tasks and almost every menial task they perform destroys them mm-hmm. in some way in a way that should be comical but is anything but mm-hmm. uh and this person in the in the in the description of the film they're referred to only as the assassin but yeah. we never know that because we don't hear their their name uh as yeah. they descend further and further into this hellscape we see more and more of the hellscape yeah, like this like long yeah. the the film opens with this long diving yeah. bell sequence it goes down yeah. and down and down and down and then we see finally that this person is on a mission to essentially destroy this world mm. in, in order to uh, uh, probably kill everything along with it, but basically this world should not exist. Uh, and then it all goes horribly wrong and it goes even more esoteric and the movie <laughs> loses its form. 
but it is still uh, uh, incredibly ambitious and mm. bizarre to watch the entire way through. It, it's exhilarating. This mm. is this is one of the best films I've seen this year. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, have, I haven't. It, it's rare that a film like this comes along that is this striking. And has especially to you, you are not easily impressed <laughs> so with, this, with like visual effects and this kind of stuff. I don't think you are. Well, I, I, if if it's just an effect, I'm not impressed. If you are doing something creative or interesting or visually dazzling in some yeah. kind of way, then I'll be dazzled. And this is, it, it's weird to refer to something like this as dazzling because it is so uh, like grim, bloody, and ugly, and and filthy. But it is dazzling. There, you won't see visuals like this, and it takes place in a world where. Uh, this is essentially trying to fight against and uh, sort of point out how ugly every single human endeavor is. Mm. And it takes place in this world that kind of, like, it's already dead, but it kind of refuses to topple over. It's barely held together, and every time we push it, it just continues to sort of churn forward a little bit further and churn forward a little bit further, and things die, but... That's not just part of it. Uh, there's this really grim surgery sequence oh, yeah, that in this movie, really yeah. where um, yeah, it's really revolting, and every every sort of uh, little vignette, every sort of chamber that we enter into, the characters are hyper focused on whatever their particular cog mm. is in this machine. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to relate to anything else. No, we never really get a sense of like what the machine as a whole is producing because the machine has yeah. lost its meaning. The, the yeah. mach- pieces of it are still running, but it's not producing anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not here to keep the world functioning any longer. The machinery is now exercised for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And uh, that lends this weird sort of philosophical futility to it. And there's this ending sequence that implies that uh, things can be restarted, that there's going to be sort of this notion mm-hmm. of maybe things can be wiped clean and started afresh again. But even when they communicate that, it's just going to be to start and have it fall once again. Yeah, it's, it's, a, we're it's an endless this, cycle. This weird cycle of... It's, it's like Battlestar Galactica. All this has happened before, all you know, of this will happen again. All of again. this rising and falling. Yeah. And this is about how difficult it is to just finally topple over yeah. and how grim and horrifying this is golly what a beautiful thing <laughs> you liked it more than i did yeah, no, you liked it more than i did um i i, I no, no I was, one in the world ever gets what they want and that is beautiful everybody <laughs> dies frustrated and sad and that is beautiful thank you they might be giants yeah. uh i respect this movie i think as much as you do i don't think i like it as much as you do okay. i think um first off you say that there's nothing else quite like this i have seen music videos from tools so i disagree with that. <laughs> i think this is an aesthetic was, that yeah. was actually born out of the 90s in a very specific way I think there was a lot of animation that was attempting to creeping, uh, re- creeping it, rusty meat I, it, I was reminded of uh, there was a television series that a lot of people grew up with in our generation but no, it doesn't get talked about much anymore called Liquid Television Damn. Liquid Television was a series that was on MTV and basically what they would do is they would find animated shorts this is before they would find mm-hmm. like these things would find a home on YouTube and yes, oftentimes they'd be like grad school projects or whatever Be- uh, Beavis and Butthead started on Liquid Television uh, uh, the, the Max was on Liquid Television no the Max was a different thing no the Max was the, the, the first time they ever showed the Max was on an episode of Liquid it, Television it was part of a two half uh, animated program called Oddities which was separate from Liquid Television I, I assure you. feel like they actually incorporated at least one episode, but let's, <laughs> we, the, I'm willing to accept that that might be the Mandela right. effect. I, 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 but regardless, this was part of the animation program in the block. Um, there was also... Oh, and uh, Sam, the uh, horrifying trick-or-treater from the movie Trick-or-Treat. 
mm. began uh, as a character in an animated short that premiered on Liquid Television. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know that about Sam. Oh yeah, it's a, I remember I remember seeing like the ads for Trick or Treat. I'm like, hey, is that Liquid Television? And yeah, it was like I think it was like Michael Doherty's like grad school film or something, um, or someone related mm. to the project. Liquid Television was very specifically trying to find edgy animated shorts. And the type of stuff we're seeing here, not done with nearly this much skill and detail, granted. But the type of stuff that we're seeing here was the type of stuff that we were seeing more of in that grad school mm. kind of vein. And, uh, you know, I, uh, my, my partner went to animation school at UCLA. Uh, I also studied animation. So I, the novelty here maybe didn't strike me as hard because I've seen similar mm. types but, of stuff. And granted, Phil Tippett's been doing this for decades. So perhaps when he started, it was more novel. Yeah, but I, I feel like I, uh, I, I feel like this is definitely of a piece with stuff that I've seen. So it didn't hit me I, as hard as a work of originality. I, I think what I appreciate about something like Mad God, uh, first of all, it opens with a passage from Leviticus. So there's this kind mm-hmm. of apocalyptic uh, air over the entire I, thing. I wish it had done but, uh, more with its religious overtones, because besides the title and that opening, it's pretty oblique in, in that well, reference. But it's the obliqueness that I think I kind of appreciate. Okay. Um, the, the film I was thinking of was uh, a film that should have been a stop-motion animated film, but was actually CGI, called Nine. It's it just, w- the, just the number nine. Yeah, Shane Acker. Uh, w- he, it, was, uh, his, it was also started as a grad school film with a very similar tone. Yeah, and that was sort of uh, this post-apocalyptic thing as well. Yeah. There's toy makers making these little burlap sack like yeah. dolls that are imbued with life, and they're yeah. sort of trying to start up their own kind of miniature civilization while human civilization is kind of crumbling. Do you ever see the but short that, was, that that was based on? No. The short is so much better than the movie. Okay. The movie, the, the, the movie, there's no focus. The movie, a, yeah. it doesn't have a focus. It's a little bit cute, and it yeah. and it is a little bit too focused on sort of mythology. How do these things function? What's mm-hmm. this, what's at stake for them? It doesn't feel mysterious. Mad the God is short, just yeah. the mystery, and yeah. it actually, what I appreciate is that what these characters are doing and why is kind of lost. And it doesn't connect to larger history because they themselves have completely forgotten about all that history. I get it, but here's mm-hmm. my thing with that. And again, I don't dislike this movie, but oh. I, I here's why it's not hitting me as hard as it. I feel that by keeping even the most basic narrative threads of this movie uh, a, a total mystery uh, in terms of like, even just who this character is that we're following or what they're even vaguely what they're trying to accomplish, what their motives might be. Um, on one hand, you could say that, well, that gives you the freedom to project onto all of this, like a Rorschach test. But I think there's also a way to look at that and just say, and this is what I took away from it, which is, uh, you didn't make a decision. Did you, you let this be amorphous so that uh, you can kind of just put any image you want in this movie and it'll feel portentous because it's also very heavy and you opened with the, with the screed from Leviticus. I think there's an element of that here. There's a part of this movie that feels very it, passionate. It doesn't I feel, feel cynical at all, though. It does, though. I think it does. I think that, okay, I don't mean cynical as in this is some kind of fucking cash grab. This is obviously mm-hmm. something Phil Tippett was very passionate about and is doing it on purpose, but that doesn't mean that the storytelling is expertly done. And mm-hmm. I think n- even though it's clearly not a conventional narrative film, there are narrative elements. And I feel that the way that those are tackled mm-hmm. are either not oblique enough 
to get me to stop caring about what I don't know about them. Mm. Or they needed just a little bit more grounding in order to guide me through these elements which oh, otherwise gosh, no. feel no, otherwise no, no, no. feel so disparate uh-huh. that they might as well be random. And um, as a result, I'm not as interested as I should be. Uh, I, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I don't okay. think I don't want any more context. I don't mm. want to be emotionally engaged with these characters because they're not cre- they're not humans. They're human shaped creatures. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the protagonist uh, is is played by Alex Cox. He's well, a human. there there's a, a character in it. And we haven't got, talked about him yeah. yet. Um, who seems to be instigating these missions. And yeah. he's credited as the last human. And he's played by Alex Cox, which yeah. is freaking awesome. Uh, the other characters, like some voices, come. there's like a human nurse, like an actress shows up later on yeah. uh, to essentially deliver this combination of the tingler and the eraser head baby to a, pla- <laughs> to a plague doctor, uh, like a 30 foot tall plague doctor. Yeah. Um, if, if that sounds awesome, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's that, that plague doctor is like a really cool looking thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah what that last human is doing uh, is also a little bit oblique, but he is the one who is sort of sending these uh, gas mask wearing protagonists, these quote assassins Mm -hmm. uh, on some sort of mission. And they set these bombs that never go off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like he has also sort of entered this endless cycle of just doing something for the sake of doing it. Mm. Isn't that uh, this tapping into something very Sisyphusian about life? The Sisyphus about your job and your place in the world and your vocation. Mm-hmm. You are trapped in a little bit of a system that has no meaning outside of the room you're in. Think of all the effort that mm. went into making that very simple point. Mm. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying it's not a meaningless point. Uh, I'm not saying it's a meaningless okay, point. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, when you put in all of this extra effort I, into it, the, 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 almost, uh, almost, the, the simplicity of it ceases to impress me after a while because you're, you're, you're kind of you're really I, gilding I, the, I really, the the edges I, of, the, I, of the page I object here. to you calling it a simple point or the simplicity of it because this is such a visually complex and dazzling movie that right. you're kind of lost in, in it while they're giving you these messages. I'm not... I, I'm, 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 I, don't, I don't see nearly as much portent in it as you do. But I respect it mm. as a work of incredible animation. Mm. Uh, definitely there's a lot of creativity involved I just don't think it amounts to as much depth I, as you're giving I, it. but I we can what, disagree on I that. think you're you're upset that this movie that is deliberately trying to eschew any kind of ordinary human mm. connection uh-huh. doesn't have enough human connection no actually I'm not and right. I will say I understand why it sounds like that right. uh, my problem is that it has elements of its narrative that evoke a conventional narrative and it either didn't I, I feel like it either didn't have the confidence to avoid those altogether and make it so that I didn't care at all and instead it gave me just enough to feel like perhaps a mistake was made so I feel like it's kind of neither one nor the other which is frustrating mm. it's kind of straddling the line but in a way that doesn't satisfy me when it feels mm. like a more a more confident choice could have been made I, I, it is so far from the line. There's no uh-huh. line for this thing as straddling. It is wholeheartedly what it means to be. Okay, that uh, doesn't it is, necessarily it is, make it good. It is a confident and assured piece of art okay. that Phil Tippett uh, puts I... so much time and effort and energy uh-huh. into designing and creating Granted. that you get yourself completely lost in this abyss of, of rot and despair. Uh-huh. That's where you're supposed to be, and I think it yeah. did it great. I don't necessarily think that simply accomplishing a goal means the goal itself was inherently brilliant. 
Uh, that being said, the right. goal was accomplished. I appreciate the film. Mm. You got more out of it than I did. All right. I'm, well, I'll let, I'm, I'm, I'm so there. frustrated with the way you're describing this movie as if it's like th- this wispy adventure film. No, it's not wispy. It's it's portentous, I think, almost to a fault, is my point. <laughs> I think it's the opposite of wispy. It, I think it's, it's trying. It's almost trying too hard. Uh, great, great. It's okay. it's call we can it disagree maximalist on that. if you like. Goes to a I'm further fine with maximalist. I, I love maximalist filmmaking. Mm. I talk, feel like we this talked is, about triple R. I feel like, I feel as though I love maximalist filmmaking. At least in theory, I don't think they're all necessarily good. And in this one, I think it it just I don't know. I don't mm. think it has. I think the point that it makes is salient, but I don't know if it mm. entirely justifies the the the. Mr. Evil Megorium's evil evil emporium like approach that we have to this film, which made more sense in my head when I started the sentence than it did, did when I ended. <laughs> in my in my was, head, that made sense for a was second. Was it like too, too off putting? Was it too slow? Were you were you did you feel confused? What what no, was? I mean, I was I was a little confused because what, obviously what was, they're being obtuse. Yeah. I don't think I was disconnected. Yeah. I just don't think I was narratively impressed. I don't think I was necessarily. Well, I, think, I think narrative wasn't really the point. I understand. That, but there's still a sequence of events that are put together in order to have meaning. Maybe not plot, but meaning. And mm-hmm. I ultimately feel as though I got it. Yeah, I'm just, it's I'm all just not. I'm, and I'm just, I'm just not as impressed by the point as you are. But I am impressed by the craft. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right. Let's move on. Do you want to talk about an Adam Sandler movie or a Balzac movie? <laughs> Tell me about the Balzac movie. Okay, so there's a new movie. Uh, almost directed by Balzac. No, that's not true. Uh, he's, uh, he's been dead for a couple of years. For, 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 for quite a few minutes. Uh, no, uh, there's a new movie uh, adapted by... Uh, uh, hold on, I want to make sure I get the director's name right. I thought uh, I had it for a second and I forgot. Uh, Xavier Giannoli. Okay. Uh, it not, not is familiar. Uh, nor, nor was I. Uh, and uh, he uh, he uh, he's ad- adapted a Balzac story, uh, Illusion Perdue, uh, and it is it is the story of a young man who is a poet. He lives in a small uh, small town in France, uh, and he is having an affair with a married rich woman, and she has been supporting his career, and he's feeling like he's pretty hot shit. So uh, when they decide to go to the city, uh, he thinks he's going to be, you know, oh, cool. We'll be able to keep our affair going great here because your husband isn't around and I'll become a popular poet and I'll be a kept man and everything will be great forever. And then very promptly, uh, he realizes that she is dumping his ass and now he's stuck here in Paris living way beyond his means and has absolutely no idea what to do with himself. No one wants poetry. No one mm. wants his work, and the only job he can get is working as a journalist at a shitty newspaper, which has all the power in France. Lost Illusions uh, is more than anything. It's it's a coming of age story. Mm. It's a story about the loss of innocence. It's the, in the right there in the title. More than anything, it feels like Xavier Giannoli wanted to make this movie because he saw what Balzac did and what Balzac illuminated about. Parisian culture in the 1800s and realize that everything is the fucking same now. And there are like actual publications that Uh have no scruples whatsoever. They literally exist to troll people. 
They're here to ruin people's lives or potentially make them big celebrities, depending on how they feel or who paid them the most recently. Uh, they review plays and books without reading them. They, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, they're like, they talk about like how, yes, we treat every rumor as if it was true. And if it is false, retractions sell papers too. There is absolutely no journalistic ethics whatsoever and we're all making a ton of money so like oh it's so there's a new uh there's a new book coming out okay well listen we're just gonna say it is horrible and brie larson should not have starred in it and uh we'll be able to make it i mean uh, uh it's horrible and it's too long and yeah it's a book not a not a not a relevant contemporary uh, uh analogy um this movie's so fucking bitter about the press this movie is so fucking cynical about all of society it's so fucking cynical about uh the arts and how it doesn't even matter if what you're doing is good what matters is if the laugh track is working because you paid people in the audience to like cheer for you Ugh. uh and to see someone just absolutely dive headlong into absolute ethical oblivion because it's the only way to make money writing mm. uh is absolutely fascinating and really witty and funny and bitter and every single part of it is like super pointed and it feels like it could have been written today and if it had been written today and this had been like about like i don't know like it'd been about like I'm, 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 tmz or something mm. if it, this was like a movie about the creation of tmz but it was made today this would be like a celebrated aaron sorkin kind of film like it's just like really on the nose <laughs> but Do smartly you, done Do you ever see that film ridicule no, I didn't see. I know what you're yeah, talking about. I didn't yeah, see Ridicule. Yeah, it's yeah. a French film from uh, like the mid '90s. Yeah, and it was about sort of the the high class sort of mocking each other yeah. and how uh, a, a witty barb can literally ruin a person's life. Exactly, and this is this is a, a lot of it here. Where here's this guy who was eschewed by polite society, and now he can make or break them with an article, hmm. and often does. Just do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically about someone who aspires to be a great artist or even a great writer and ends up making shit posts on youtube and making millions at it and meanwhile we see that this moral decay that he has is affecting his entire life and leading him on a path to absolute ruination which will completely destroy him and all of his dreams in a very classic lit kind of way uh, this is if this had been like adapted to like take place today it would have worked just great it, however, is a very sumptuous period piece. It's very pretty to look at. Okay. Lots of good costumes. The production design is full of wonderful detail. Uh, great cast. Uh, this actor named Benjamin Voisin plays the protagonist. And he's just like the perfect combination of wide-eyed and easily corruptible. And I just, I, I think he's great. Uh, Xavier, uh, not Xavier Dillon, Vincent Lacoste is an actor who I first saw in a Julie Delpy film where he played her son who was insidiously trying to destroy her relationship with her new boyfriend. And uh, he was just detestable <laughs> in that movie. And here he plays the editor of one of these like scandal rags. And he is just perfectly sleazy. Like he's like right out of fight club. Like he's just mm. spot on. Um, I really like this movie. And like oh, yeah. I've heard no one talk about, it, which is a shame. Uh, but it's a really solid period piece, even if you just look at it as, you know, a coming-of-age film about romance and tragedy, it works. But if you appreciate that it's also a biting contemporary social satire, it's basically saying, like, everything that we think social media and the internet journalism has 
brought to the medium and has ruined journalism forever uh, is old hat. Mm. And that's actually really useful to think about. So um, it's really, really good. And I'll just leave it there because you, know, you didn't see it, unfortunately. And we well, don't get too much detail. I can speak to Honoré de Balzac. Please um, do. Honoré uh, de Balzac, French author, uh, rather prolific, actually wrote you know, a good mm-hmm. number of novels. Uh, eventually, at some point in his writing career, decided to do something ambitious that had never been done before and was to essentially create uh, his very own Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea was that uh, the characters in his books, and he told these like very careful stories about, uh, tried to tell stories of uh, everyday mm-hmm. French living. It was a little bit more realistic, and he's known as sort of like a father of modern realism mm. uh, in, in uh, the literature world. And characters from one book would end up sh- like interacting with other characters from other books. Yeah. So the idea that they all take place in the real world and all these characters are going to start interacting. He called it la- la- the human comedy. La- yeah. La comedy well, and this and, and this is part of it. And this is part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I-, I think all of his full novels ah. are technically part of this. Yeah. Um, the only one I've read was uh, Pergorio, uh, Old mm. Gorio, um, mm. and. Uh, I will this say this, this feels that, very complete. This doesn't feel like it's he, part of like he, a larger... A, a lot of what he did was... Uh, there were like separate parts of the comedy, if you know about literature, mm. and I'm not super well-versed because I haven't read all these books, but uh, I know some of them were about uh, provincial life and some were about city life, and you know, a, a lot of them were uh, works of social critique. They were mm. actually meant to show the world as it really is and how it's actually mm. kind of... Uh, has a little bit of a corrupting influence. And that's exactly yeah. what this movie is. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, from what you're describing, it sounds like it's accurate to the author. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't read Balzac, I, I recommend it. He's yep. a, quite a good author. Well, honestly, this is one of those and, movies and where the, the adaptation mm-hmm. makes me want to read the book. Which and is, uh, a, I, you can't always say that, I think. And, and the frustrating thing is, you know, the, this work of literature was so ambitious mm-hmm. that no filmmaker has been able to incorporate it into, like, this grand cinematic project. Because mm-hmm. no studio is going to dump a bunch of money yeah. <laughs> into the human comedy cinematic universe on the other hand marvel comics on the other hand this movie which is only just now coming out in america uh won uh like it swept the caesar awards Mm. which is the french equivalent of the academy awards it won best picture adapted screenplay cinematography best supporting actor and they have an award for most promising actor uh so maybe it did well enough in france maybe they will do a follow-up that would be cool but uh even on its own, I highly recommend this movie. It's got it's got a little bit of everything. It's romantic. It's sexy. It's funny. It's sad. It's tragic. It's thoughtful. It's mm-hmm. escapist. Like it's it's got everything in it. It's really really good film. And it's um, I don't know if it's gonna end up on my list of the best films of the year, but it's uh, one of the more complete, uh, completely enjoyable viewing experiences I've had. It entertained me, mm-hmm. but it also felt intelligent and uh, kind of just gave me everything I wanted. So mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. All right. All right, and now tell me about Adam Sandler coaching basketball. Basket, well, he's a basketball uh, scout ah. who becomes a coach. Um, Very well. Uh, he uh, this is a Happy Madison production, hmm. but it's not a comedy film. Um, what? No, it's the, like it stars Adam Sandler, but this is him uh, playing a, a straight character mm-hmm. and uh, like not a comedy character. Not a, and yeah. There's nothing a dramatic role. slapstick about this. Uh, he plays a, a basketball scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. And he ha- he travels the world finding people who can play basketball. And he has found his latest in Spain. Mm. Uh, the basketball player is played by uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez. And uh, 
this comes at a, po- a point in his career where everything's a little bit in flux. His his daughter resents him because he's, he's never there for her birthdays. Right. Uh, there's a line of dialogue where he says, I've missed nine of her birthdays in a row. He's that, that devoted to his work, or he's right. at least just out of town, like scouting whenever mm-hmm. he needs to. He was uh, promoted to assistant coach of the 76ers, right, like right near the beginning of the movie, and then the coach dies. So he essentially gets that job. But he can't take that job until he's finished this sort of scouting expedition by his evil, evil boss, who's played by Ben Foster. Mm. Uh, whenever Ben Foster shows up, you're in for a treat. because I'm in. Uh, Ben Foster knows when he's playing sort of like a Pat Studio villain. Uh-huh. And, and that's he all, plays and, it and he, up. And he, he plays it up, but he's not... He's not giving, bringing so much to it that he's undoing what the film is about. No, 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 no. He's not he trying knows, to stand out. He is playing he to knows the material. He knows how to give you. He, he knows how to give you what's on the page. Exactly. I, I remember uh, uh, some actors can do this. I remember uh, feeling this way about Heath Ledger. Uh, oh yeah. When, uh, it, in, back in the mid two thousands, one theater had two screens. It was each one was playing a different Heath Ledger film. One was Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Which you know this soulful romance. Yeah, great plays movie. This very kind of like sub- subdued character, <laughs> and then the other one was Casanova, which is this oh, big. Oh, that was this, around the same time. This big yeah. frothy joke of a film, and yeah. uh, Heath Ledger is not trying to make that film more sophisticated than it is. He's yeah. playing to the material. That's what Ben Foster is doing. He's yeah. just playing the the bad guy opposite Adam Sandler, who's cool. playing. Hardworking schlub. We now kind of have seen Adam Sandler's dramatic shtick mm-hmm. in films like Punch Drug Love and Uncut Gems, where he yeah. plays this kind of blowhard, sad sack with a tendency to explode every once in a while. Yeah, he knows. He, he knows what he's good at. I mm. think he he doesn't do drama often, mm. but he's really good at it. Actually, he, he's good at it. Yeah. But Hustle shows that he he has like. Certain notes, notes that he's going to hit. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like he's doing a lot of the same shtick here okay. that he did in Uncut Gems. Uh, and the story is completely predictable. His wife disappears. His wife's played by Queen Latifah. And, oh. uh, yeah, Queen Latifah's in the movie. That's too. cool. Queen Latifah. Um, and he's, he's scouted this basketball player. How is he going to get him in the 76ers? He has to try out. Uh, he has to put him up in a hotel. But, oh no, he's spending too much money at the hotel because he's never had room service before. He orders a bunch of cheesesteaks because this is Philadelphia. And he tries, right. takes one bite of each. Well, I don't want to eat a whole sandwich. That would make me sick. So one bite of each. And that's like half a sandwich. Uh-huh. But he's now bought like 20 sandwiches. Yeah, I get it. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, the 76ers won't watch this guy play... It becomes a little bit of a struggle, and there's a little bit of pitch and pull, and eventually uh, Adam Sandler quits, doesn't have the money, doesn't tell his basketball player that he's quit and that he's not going to be coach of the 76ers. Now he's just sort of this freelance uh, scout, Uh. and he's run out of money, so he has to stay with Adam Sandler at his house and upset his family and has to pull all these stunts to get him into the public eye. Luckily, he's friends with Dr. J. Dr. J is in the movie. Oh, that's himself, cool. Playing himself. And, Shit, uh, that's neat. All right. Yeah, all, all, there's a lot of like actual famous basketball Dr. players. Dr. J was like the first basketball player whose name I knew. Yeah, like a real yeah. ba- when when I was a kid, Doctor J was the shit. Like I remember, mm. like I didn't even follow sports, but I knew Doctor J. And, and Doctor awesome. J's in this, and he's yeah. shooting. Doctor J's like I think he's like seventy now, but uh, yeah, but yeah. He's, he's, he's actually he's, an, he's actually an optometrist. People don't know that. That's what he's a doctor of. You you could be telling. Me. I know. I, have, I just made that up. <laughs> I, I have no he, idea. He could, he could be a basketball player and you know a medical doctor. <laughs> I honestly uh, don't know. I'm gonna. Yeah, Doc, Doctor J's in the movie. They have to set up this stunt so they can get this guy in front of people. It's it's. These are all like 
sport cliches that you've seen a hundred times before. This was the same yeah. plot of something uh, of the movie Million Dollar Arm, where uh, John Hamm plays a, a baseball scout in that movie, and he goes to India and finds cricketers in India who would mm. make good baseball pitchers, and he brings them back, and the team won't pay for their... Uh, their accommodations. So he has to put them up in his own home and it's about how he has to grow as a person so he can uh, help these people out in a little bit less of a cynical mercenary business-like way and actually treat them a little bit more like people. That's exactly what Adam Sandler Mm -hmm. goes through in Hustle. Sport movies are, tend to get off the hook a little bit Mm. when they play to the cliches. It's okay because we get the moment of triumph at the end. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, it's one of those genres where we're here for the cliches because the mm, cliches are satisfying. Exactly. Um, Occasionally you'll get something that's a a little bit more thoughtful. I remember uh, the Ben Affleck film, the way back actually has a lot more about alcoholism than it is about the sports. Mm. Um, but yeah, all the sport movies, you're just waiting for the big game. You're waiting for the move, the moment where some something uh, triumphant happens. Even in the movie Draft Day, which doesn't have any actual sports in it. It has you get that, that triumphant moment. Yeah. moment. It uh, works. It's good. I, I really like that film, Draft Day. That movie's Day. great. Uh, By the way, Dr. J, just a nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a nickname. I was, it's, he he got wasn't, it in high he school. He wasn't an actual yeah. doctor. Got it in high school, apparently. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. But yeah, Dr. J's in the movie. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and they, yeah, they, they were... There's this sort of glory shot over the credits where we actually are introduced to all of the basketball players, but I don't follow basketball, so I didn't recognize any of these people. Got it. it uh, you might recognize LeBron James' name. Yeah. He's one of the producers in this, so I this do. is you know, very basketball forward. Uh, this movie sounds a bit like that Albert Brooks movie, The Scout. Did you ever see that? I didn't see The Scout. I didn't see The Air Up There. Okay. Uh, but the the, Air these, Up there these are all movies about sport, movie. sports scouts, about people who go out into the world, yeah. find an unconventional player of some kind. Yeah. They're either from another country or yeah. uh, they don't fit in and with American culture in some way. Yeah. And uh, they're brought into the big leagues where uh, their skill for the sport and their purity of vision butts up against the money-driven cynicism of the American sport industry. I bring up The Scout for a specific reason, because it's it's a good movie for a while. Albert Brooks plays a sports scout who is on the outs, and he happens to find a baseball-playing wunderkind, I think in Mexico, but he's he's Mm -hmm. Brendan Fraser. And uh, he brings Brendan Fraser uh, uh, back with him to, you know, field him in in a Major League Baseball team. But uh, Brendan Fraser has serious mental health problems. Mm. He's a nice guy, but clearly something he's dealing with like a lot of trauma he hasn't processed yet. And he doesn't seem to uh, make meaningful, like emotional connections uh, to things, perhaps because he's hiding something in his past. Um, Diane Weist plays his therapist. And the whole thing is he could be the greatest baseball player ever. But it would be intensely damaging to his health. And so Albert Brooks has this like moral dilemma where it would be best for my career if he played baseball and it would be better for him if he didn't. Mm-hmm. Albert Brooks really believed in the project. It's, he thought it was really, so, really so great. Like searching for Bobby Fischer. It's got an element of that. Yeah. yeah. And so Albert Brooks really believed in the project and like he was very passionate about it. And then the studio gave it a mega happy Hollywood ending. Uh, like with like this awesome baseball game that it was just like and it could not be further away from the point of the movie so my question is this it's, this sounds like it's actually like got some earnestness to it does it ultimately feel super hollywoody at the end or does it manage to 100 percent? it's like yeah. super slick hollywood it, okay it, it, it doesn't defy any kind of expectations and it but doesn't does it feel like it does be... it feel like it's hurting the material or is it satisfying in that way I mean, it's it's satisfying. It's just a little bland. Okay. Uh, just because it is kind of expected. Um, 
I mean, it's the best Happy Madison film I've seen, just because all of okay. those other movies are all the, kind of trashy They comedy. did another sports movie that was semi-serious earlier this year called Home Team with Kevin James that was about football. Remember called, which was also on Netflix. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that one. No, yeah, I, I reviewed it, and yeah, you didn't see it, but it's fine. You didn't need to run out and see it afterwards. But yeah, Kevin James played a, this is a true story of a disgraced uh, football coach who had, like, uh, he had put bounties on the head of various players, like sack that guy and I'll give you money. Oh, uh, uh, like literally, literally no, like, no, not, not, not like, that would have been a very different film. But yeah. like, no, it was, it was ethically wrong, and uh, he was suspended for a while, and he ended up um, t- for like a season. He uh, coached his son's football team in high school, mm. uh, and uh, it was all about that. Basically, um, it's a competent but not very interesting film. Okay, uh, but that was another one where it's Kevin James. Uh. It's sports, it's Happy Madison, and it's barely a comedy. Like, Rob Schneider has some, like, sidekick funny bits. Yeah. But it's not really a comedy yeah, in, like, that conventional way. It was yeah, like, yeah. And this has some side co- uh, comedy bits as well. There's a yeah. lot of really interesting supporting players that I think yeah. kind of buoy it. It's not just the Adam Sandler show, although he's on the camera for most of the movie. Yeah. But occasionally you'll run into, uh, like, oh, let's meet the owner of the team. Oh, hello, Robert Duvall in a cameo. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Robert Duvall's in this. Uh, Jaleel, Jaleel White is in the movie. He plays, okay. like, uh, sort of one of the supporting characters. Okay. Uh, and he's just sort of playing a part. He's yeah. not like bringing a lot of like he's not, he's not, doing he's not like a funny guy. There's definitely an Adam Sandler movie out there where Jaleel White would be asked well, to do. I think he his would. Shtick. I think Jaleel White. I didn't see the movie, uh, but I know uh, there was a movie called about former child stars called Dickie Roberts, former child star. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's actually not bad. Uh, okay, uh, actually, and, I actually yeah, kind of da- like that one. David Spade plays uh, uh, someone who yeah. was famous when he was a boy, and yeah. now he's like an well, adult. He, he has he's, to he's figure an, out how to live outside he, of the Hollywood. He, he, he's going for a major role, and uh, he's told uh, he, he's he's being asked to convey genuine emotion, and he is told you're not convincing because you a lot of people a, you didn't have like a, you a didn't have a childhood. childhood. You yeah. didn't have a childhood. Your childhood was taken up by this business, and as a result, you don't have a lot of the childhood experiences that you need in order to play this role with this person who had this life because you can't play that convincingly and but so I, he gets I, yeah, yeah. so he hires a family to treat him like their child for a while so you get it's surprisingly not bad actually it's pretty yeah, it's pretty I, good I, uh, he's made a lot of trash yes, but I, I think uh, David Spade like in, in the right role is actually quite funny I agree um, but I know there was a, a scene in that movie where he's like like he was playing, he was playing po- he, like yeah. he was playing poker with yeah. other child stars, like Emmanuel yeah. Lewis and uh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Danny Debonaducci were all there. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm trying. I hazy remember, but yeah, that that sounds about right. And, and I, I, since I haven't seen, I think Jaleel White might have been in that scene as uh, well, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, that's the only reason I brought it up. Uh, okay, <laughs> but anyway. Jaleel White's in this movie, and he's he's fine. He's just playing a part because okay. he, he's a professional actor. He's he, was good a, a he, he was the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog for a while back that in must, the nineties. Yeah, that must have got him a ton of money. Like. I think they brought him back for like some more recent Sonic projects as well. I think on TV or like something. Like Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog probably. Yeah. He didn't play Sonic in the new movies. Then. No, he they didn't. got a new actor no. for that. Anyway, um, all right, well, listen, uh, that's it for our movie reviews uh, for this week. Let's uh, go over them on the critically acclaimed scale. Once again, that scale goes from C- minus to C+. Plus. The lowest the movie can get is a C-. Minus. That's below average. We, we don't recommend a C-. Minus. It's not, we don't consider it good. A C is average. It's... Uh, perfectly mediocre neither good nor bad or maybe some good and some bad but it just kind of averages out to eh maybe some people will like it more than others and then c plus is above average we genuinely recommend that movie mm. we think you're really going to get something out of it and we highly recommend it so 
on that note, uh, where does hustle mm. flow? Oh, hustle and flow. Yeah, um, right. Hustle, hustle is a C. It, okay. It's just it's it's perfectly average. Yeah. It doesn't have grand ambitions, but it because it's it's a sports movie. You're willing to forgive a lot of its banalities because that's part of the genre's charm. Yeah. And I think I think Adam Sandler's fine. I think the the basketball players are all doing fine. It's mm. fine. It's just <laughs> fine. Awesome. Uh, well, Lost mm. Illusions is a C plus. Mm. Uh, just a, a wonderfully handsome and engaging. Uh, historical yeah, this, I'm piece. sorry I missed this one. This I, sounds really I good. I think it's up your alley. I hope you get a chance to check it out. But uh, it's 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 wonderfully engaging and it feels almost frighteningly contemporary. Like it's <laughs> it's, it's it's really Aww. really on the nose. Uh, and um, I think that's just makes it all the more exciting to watch. So I hope you check that out. Please please do. Uh, I have a feeling you're giving Mad God a C plus. Uh, I I love Mad God. Uh, um, I guess according to you, beyond reason, uh, it no, is no, that, beyond reason. I just didn't that, get what you got out of that it. kind of a apo- like post 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 apocalyptic nightmare, mm-hmm. and all of the striking nightmarish visuals mm-hmm. that are just pervasive throughout this thing. This idea that everything is sort of lost in its own system uh, is this beautiful kind of subversive. A piece of animated art that I haven't seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, it was in Tool videos. Yeah, that was like twenty five fucking years ago. I'm not ago. disagreeing with that. Uh, so it's it's nice to see it again. I got to see it on a big screen. Yeah, uh, it's playing in theaters uh, limited right now. It's going to come out on Shutter next week. Uh, if you don't mm-hmm. have Shutter, you could probably just subscribe. It's a good sis- uh, service to have. It really is, uh, and they've got they they consistently like every week or every other week they usually have at least a pretty interesting original movie. Yeah, they're, they, doing. yeah. they're really good about having interesting uh, shows and movies. They just yeah released the second season of cursed films their documentary mm. series uh which is a lot more thoughtful than it sounds yeah it's not just oh no so many people people died on the, the set of this movie mm. and they talked to the people yeah people died it was really sad yeah. and this yeah they actually like talk so shutter's really great and they're gonna have mad god which is yeah this horrifying tilt-a-whirl nightmare uh, of, of animated grossness that I just adored. So yes, yeah. definitely a sequel. It, it, it's, it's definitely of a piece with another uh, Shutter film, which I liked more uh, than this, called uh, Blood Machines, which yeah, is or, also... Or if a, you saw a, The Wolf House, that's another I one. I didn't see Wolf House, but Blood Machines is also a bit of uh, uh, pop sci-fi insanity. Uh, yeah, you like Mad God more than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give it a very high C. Okay. A very, very... I, I hear, and I, I think I feel justified in that, because A, you praise the shit out of it, mm-hmm. and fair enough. Uh, but I do think this is not going to be uh, to everyone's sensibilities, so you know there are definitely people who are going to be like, oh, okay. Hmm. I'm not as into it as Whitney. Like, there you go. That's that's about as far as I'm willing to go with right. it. But I, it's definitely an impressive animation achievement. Yeah. yeah that yeah. is 100% the case. Yeah, and I would be very happy if at the end of the year, something like Lightyear was nominated for Best Animated Feature opposite Mad God. Just because I want to see the clip that they'd show. Because that would be amazing. To infinity and beyond. Also up Mad God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blood. <laughs> what are you voting for, Academy? <laughs> and then, lastly, uh, Jurassic World Dominion <laughs> this is, this is, this is, this is a C minus. This very, is very quite a bad movie. It, it is. I, again, I've seen worse. I've seen worse this year, but like, there's no excuse for how bad this is. There's yeah, this. It's, it's. 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 Does nothing with its premise. It does nothing with its characters. It's wrote like the actual action set pieces it has are mostly 
Uh, and there's like two kind of nifty ones, but in yeah, a two and a half hour movie, that's not enough. The like, all the nostalgia stuff is pathetic. Yeah, yeah. The characters are, are only there to get you to cheer. The writing is... They're not doing anything with the characters. The writing is bad even by the standards of the sequels to Jurassic Park, <laughs> yeah. which is saying something. Um, it's, 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 it's just the, not it's, a good film. It's the worst of the series, I would say. I would and, say that's and, a fair that's a fair assessment. And most of the sequels are pretty bad. Uh, yeah, Jurassic World, Jurassic I'm Park not more 3, forgiving than you do. Jurassic Park 3, I think, is okay. I think Jurassic uh, Park 3 is okay. Jurassic World is fun for how stupid it is. Yeah. I will say that. I, I, I enjoy I watching of, that movie, but it's not good. I wish it had kind of rolled with its stupidity a little yeah. bit more. Well, but I, it I've, do I, I've often said that like Jurassic World is like... Uh, it's like mainstream Gremlins 2. Like, it's kind of the same movie in a lot mm. of ways, but it's nowhere near as biting in its humor and its yeah, satire. And I feel like it's with a little more wit, that mm. could have been the most amazing thing ever and still would have made a billion dollars. Would have been great, like, if the film breaks. Oh, no, there's a dinosaur in the theater! Yeah. Can you imagine if Blue is just there? Like, he's like, oh, no, the the film reel is going everywhere and Blue can't, can't manage can to make it. Like, like, a velociraptor <laughs> wrapped in 35mm <laughs> films. Like, ah, nah, I can't get out. <laughs> Sorry, awesome. folks. Just a minute. <laughs> See if they done that. That would be great. <laughs> that would be the most amazing thing ever. Anyway, uh, that is it for critically acclaimed this week. Thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody for supporting the show. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you haven't already. Uh, if you want to head on over and support us more, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive programming over at the critically acclaimed network, including shows dedicated to Batman, shows dedicated to every episode of Star Trek, ever shows dedicated to every single film ever nominated for best picture we just released a new one of those we've got more commentary tracks coming your way we have trivia nights all of that's over at the patreon thank you to every single one of our patrons without you we would not be here if you want to talk about anything we discussed on this episode we would love to hear from you our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net also feel free to ask us anything else you want to ask us we might read your email on an upcoming episode of our podcast we've got Mail Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Or people yes. prefer to send us a uh, correspondence the old fashioned yeah, send way. us an actual physical letter. Uh, P- critically acclaimed network, P.O. box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah. And we will be back next week with reviews of Lightyear and other things as well. There's a new film from the director of Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. That was fast. Like three weeks later. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's coming. Mm. So uh, we'll be reviewing that too. So uh, again, I think think that's it. Mm. All right. So thank you everybody once again. Have a great week. Uh, We'll see you uh, with more shows here at the the main channel. You can listen to them ad-free over at the Patreon. And uh, never forget, everyone's a dinosaur. Ah! I'm wrapped in film. I want to go to the midnight show. I'm sorry, what? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.